When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Yes. Yes, it is. How are you? Good. How are you? Okay. We're not together right now because I'm out of town. And you're sitting in my usual spot. But it looks good on you. That's fine. Mm, Merci beaucoup. How was your evening? It was great. How was yours? Okay. Did you go to 80s night? I did. I did. Uh, and then I, I I left that for the Eagle. <clears throat> mm. It wasn't. Uh, yeah, it was the, the the dance floor was brightly lit and they installed some kind of monitor where they were playing all kinds of Akbar stuff. And then I I didn't bother to look this up, but all the napkins at the bar had some message on it. I, I think it's changing ownership um, like, like it was sold to somebody else. Well, maybe they'll re uh, redesign it so it has better flow. Um, tear out that bitch of a bearing wall and put a dance floor where it ought to be. Yeah, yeah, really. Well, um, did you see that someone was uh, arrested and charged with the murder of Tupac Shakur? You had mentioned that you'd read so, that. So, of course, twenty six years after. Um, the rapper was shot and killed, which happened on the strip after a boxing match at the MGM Grand. And I was going to school at UNLV at that time. And, you know, UNLV is behind, I mean, behind, like, basically behind the MGM Grand. So I remember being on campus that night and, like, this huge commotion and of course, there was no social media or anything. So, but you, you know, you could see that there was a lot going on. And I remember we kind of like tried to drive over there a little bit, but. Of course. So, I mean, it's a very memorable uh, incident to me, but then also like Tupac was such a great artist. And I feel like had he not been murdered, he would probably have a pretty prolific acting career. Well, yeah, he, I think he was just, if you he was in so many films in 95 96 97 i mean yeah he, he had been, so much oh yeah. i'm sorry go ahead no he would have been he definitely would have been a, a leading man he had so much uh like charisma he was so handsome he looked great on screen and 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 i thought he was a talented actor he was he was yeah he, what was that uh one we talked about recently uh gang related oh which if people you have to watch gang related. That story is so out of control. <laughs> in which he plays a cop, which is kind of funny. And then Layla Rashawn looking really good in that movie. But yeah, she looks fabulous. But anyway, the person who was charged is this 60-year-old man named Dwayne. I think his nickname is Keefy D. Davis. 
this dummy wrote a book back in 2019, like an a, like a tell-all memoir, and then did all these interviews, basically saying he was in the car when Tupac was shot. He says he wasn't the one who shot him, so he's not being he's charged with uh, being an accessory, like aiding and abetting the person who did kill Tupac. So the actual murder is not has not been charged, but. Um, you know, he's saying that he won't tell because that's like street code. But yeah. Well, but just don't say anything at all then, sir. But okay. Well, just so stupid. Like your ass gets hemmed up for running your mouth. Like you're running your mouth anyway, but. Right. I might as well just tell everybody everything. I don't know. Ugh. Well, uh, I did. Uh, there is something in the sorry to this man section because last week when we were talking about weddings, um, I said I had only been to three, but that's not true. It's at, right after I published that podcast, I remembered that we went to the wedding of a good friend of yours in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I felt bad because I it was such a lovely wedding and I totally forgot. But um, yeah, so I've actually been to four weddings. Um, but, you know, if anyone wants to invite us to a wedding, uh, you know, for, I, for for a fee, you can, uh, <laughs> I'll make an appearance. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, weddings are not fun. I, we were just, yeah, I, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't love weddings. I, you know, that was an, a lovely experience seeing close friends getting married. Uh, and I remember at that particular one, I was asked to read a poem out loud when you were out there laughing in the audience. Well, it was it was fun trying to see you be anytime you're like trying to be serious and because you also get very you're very you 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 get stressed out very easily even though you do a good job every time you have to speak publicly but mm. so I think that's why well at that point I hadn't really seen you do anything like that so mm -hmm. I think that's why I was I don't recall laughing out loud but no but I could see your little face out there. <laughs> I was just happy. <laughs> yeah. But um something we don't hear you say uh really ever no. Um but yeah, uh there's a YouTube video of us someone asked us to help them a a um, a gentleman asked us to help him propose to his girlfriend. Mhm. Mm and she watched our channel. So I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, way back in the early days. Yeah. Um, but we can move on to films released we didn't cover. The Kill Room? The Kill Room, I think, which is being released courtesy of Shout Factory, uh, with uh, directed by Nickel... I think it's Nicole Payone, uh, who I, whose previous film I have seen, Friendsgiving, which I didn't like, but has a really unique ensemble cast. Uh, and her latest star Samuel Jackson, Uma Thurman, and Maya Hawke, which, who, of course, is Ms. Thurman's daughter. Oh. Paw Patrol, the mighty movie. I mean, I've seen this marketed everywhere. I had no interest. Directed by Cal Brunker, who I think did the last Paw Patrol movie, which I'm not familiar with anything regarding that. Fair Play. 
I did watch this. I was going to write about it, but uh, sadly, time got away from me. I, I believe it's a debut uh, Chloe Domont uh, Netflix film starring Alden Ehrenreich and Phoebe Dinevore, uh, who I wasn't familiar with, but she's known for Bridgerton, I think, which I have not watched. Uh, kind of a, an interesting modern take on gender equity in the workplace that gets a lot messier than you'd expect it to mom mommy wata yeah uh, nigerian i believe directed by cj fiery obasi and i think it won a, an award for cinematography at uh sundance this year but that sounds really interesting i i was kind of surprised that you passed on this one because it sounds like it's worth a watch. The kind of a bizarre tale, something to do with mermaids. Uh, so I might catch up with that later. Muzzle. Muzzle is directed by John Stahlberg Jr. And it looks like, you know, you're kind of like back in the day when you say direct DVD uh, trash, but it stars Aaron Eckert and. Oh yeah. Yeah. About the dog. Uh, he He's like a canine police officer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I passed on that. Lastly, Saturn Bowling. Oh, I, uh, this was at Locarno in 2022, I believe. I, I've referenced this before because I reviewed it for Ion Cinema. Uh, it had <clears throat> it has a rape murder scene that made me stop the screener because I like needed a break. Oh uh, wow! Directed by Patricia Mazwi. Um, yeah, very very violent, hard hitting thriller. Uh, and she's worked with Isabella Pair before. I think she's about to do so again. Uh, but yeah, and I I was based on her previous work. That was unexpected. Moving on to projects of interest. Quovadis uh, Aida, The Missing Piece. Yes. Uh, if you'll remember in my top 10 of 2020, Quovadis Aida uh, by Yasmila Jibanik, uh was in my top 10 of the year also a very depressing uh grueling film but apparently uh she is making a follow-up to this so <laughs> more torture something called jupiter uh a favorite russian filmmaker andrei zhivaginsev uh i don't know if i've shown you any of his films but i like leviathan elena might be my favorite uh the return was I, I think it was his debut and won the golden line i think in venice in 2003 but he's finally doing a new film uh i think his last feature was loving in 2017 something like that which i actually could rewatch. i like that too an untitled sci-fi project by arthur harari arthur harari who i didn't realize i know he wrote the script for anatomy of a fall which won the palm d'or at Cannes this year directed by justine trier but i didn't realize he's married to justine trier uh he's written several films and i think uh i haven't seen his last feature which won a bunch of stuff all over the festival circuit or not anoda ten thousand nights uh which i think opened in certain regard in 2021 um uh, but yeah, he is directing uh, his third feature, which is an untitled sci-fi project, and is tipped to star Leia Seydoux, which you know is exciting to me. And lastly, we received a message about something uh, they thought you'd be interested in. So I was reading the article they sent, and I saw that this information was actually provided by Eric Labelle, who runs uh, Ion Cinema. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, whoever for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Be Gone's latest film. Uh, that's been. I, I, that's not exactly new news, like uh, to me. I've known about that for a minute, but uh, yeah, it'll be his follow-up to Long Day's Journey into Night, uh, which is an excellent 3D film from 2018. Of course, no, um, not related to the famous Eugene O'Neill play, which a version of that is coming out with Jessica Lange, by the way, soon. Oh. Movies we watched for fun. Poison, <laughs> poison for the fairies. Yeah, uh, I watched this last night. It's kind of a Mexican horror classic from 1986, directed oh. by Carlos Ta- Taboada. A uh, very bizarre film, kind of like a mix of the Bad Seed and Diabolique. But it's got this residuous little girl who believes oh. she's a witch, uh, being raised by her nana and her creepy old grandma that can't do much. And she, this new girl at school, uh, arrives and she convinces, I think the new girl's name is Flavia, that she's a witch and she kind of indoctrinates her and kind of terrifies this little girl and uh, wheedles her way into going away on a family vacation. And the title comes from Fairies Are the Nemesis the nemesis of witches so they have to she's like we have to come up with a poison for them and then she manipulates this little girl to such a degree that her little friend burns her to death oh geez and it's got this score that's like if you were just listening to the score it sound like uh something like pippi longstocking or anna green gables but oh uh, i haven't thought of pippi longstocking in a long time she was just referenced in clueless she was. Paul Rudd tells Elise Silverstone that because um, she's got pigtails and she looks like Pippi Longstocking. She doesn't know who that is. Oh, next, Strangers in the House. Uh, I just read this uh, novel by Georges Simenon uh, in anticipation of watching this new restoration of Strangers in the House. It was adapted in 1942 by Henri Decoin. Uh, the with a screenwriter with a screenplay from Henri Georges Clouseau starring Ray Mou. it I I it took me forever to read this book like way longer than it should have because it's quite slim but I think the initial premise is good but then it becomes this courtroom drama that's a little uh too familiar I think but it's it's basically about this lawyer who hasn't practiced law in 20 years because his wife left him and he just sits in his old mansion and drinks wine every night uh, and he's got a daughter that he basically ignores because she reminds him of the mother. But anyway, one night somebody gets shot in his house and it turns out his daughter's been having these parties in one floor of the mansion that nobody knows about. And this homeless man gets killed there. And then he ends up defending uh, her, his daughter's lover, who's uh, the accused. Mm. A few nights ago, you put on Crow, The Salvation, uh-huh. the sequel to The Crow. This shit was terrible. It was very bad. Um, and stars, I guess, Kirsten Dunst has uh, top billing. And I, I remember this, I think it was a direct-to-video release, but Eric Mabius, who I think the only other film I really remember him from is Cruel Intentions. Uh, terrible, terrible. But part of it's not his fault. The script- no, because, yeah, oh gosh, it, there's so much, well... Like, he's a very handsome man, but then when he turns into this, like, the crow, I guess, 
because we see that he was electrocuted so his face looks like like cooked meat and then he peels it off and then he's left looking like a sad clown combined with his hairstyle which is that very like late 90s center part he looks ridiculous <laughs> yes and then the film insists that nobody really recognizes that it's him oh my gosh and then no one recognizes and he's like <laughs> He's a very good-looking man, and like no one recognizes that he's the the person who was convicted of murder. It kind of was the story reminds me of that. I think it's Wes Craven, Shocker. Yeah, with Peter Berg. Mm -hmm. Except that's not uh, good. He the, in 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 that movie, he's like sadistic and mm -hmm. as people would say, evil. This guy wants to clear his good name, but yeah, I almost want to. I, I didn't finish this movie, so I'm kind of. I might put it on. Um, it's caca. But Fred, if you like Fred Ward, and then, of course, William Atherton is in it, too, who you might remember as the evil EPA representative in Ghostbusters. Hmm. Next, after we watched the secret movie for today, we decided to put on Dominion prequel to The Exorcist. This film has an interesting history. Mm -hmm. It's one of the few Paul Schraders I haven't seen, and it kind of what went down and how it was uh, made and distributed was very fatal to his career for at least a decade. Uh, but it's not, I'm not gonna say it's very good. Because he made this film and then the production company uh, didn't like it. So they stopped him and then let someone else make a movie. Mm -hmm. Who was that? Benny Harlan. And then they released his movie, and then that shit bombed. So they decided to release this one in limited theaters. But the funniest part of this that I think is so shady is originally after they told Paul Schrader, we're not going to help you finish this movie, they were going to make his movie a bonus feature on Rennie Harlan's DVD. Yeah, and that shit. That's real shitty. But then from the reading I did, uh, Dominion prequel to The Exorcist, uh, Paul Schrader's film is uh, was better received. Yeah. And the person who did The Exorcist, William Friedkin? The author, William Peter Blatty. Oh, I'm sorry. The author said that he liked Paul Schrader's to a degree, but he hated Rennie Harlan's. Um, this movie, Dominion prequel to The Exorcist, is just boring. <laughs> It is. It's too long, and too you, long. you don't really get into any kind of demonic bullshit until, what, an hour, 15 minutes, really? Like the third act, but then it's kind of like, it's, it's poorly done, kind of. I mean, they didn't have, the, we were reading that they didn't have money to finish, like, the special effects, and so it looks kind of bad. The The possessed character is giving me, like, old girl from stargate and the crying game like it, it just felt very yeah he it, his initial introduction is creepy though because he's wandering around the periphery of this dig site with that little stanky leg and no, and the crispy wing arm <laughs> uh, and and satan must uh, satan offers a better health care plan he heals this this young man he does he really does but this one was not a joy to sit through um, it's not and I don't Stellan Skarsgård is interesting enough uh, I just 
it was it I can see why because the distributor was some kind of small I forget millennium something not millennium but kind of like lion it was like tree. magnolia tree or something crazy magnolia tree but it's clear it it's not uh it, it it's clear to me that they wanted something else not an art house style psychological horror film and well, Schrader was trying to be uh pay homage to the original see that's interesting well I mean I can appreciate why the uh people financing it were not happy because when you think the exorcist you think like creepy possessed girl and then yeah we get this art house almost like historical drama with this possessed character that's kind of interesting but yeah it turns into it almost felt like sci-fi towards the end yeah no. next you watched paris by night yes directed by david hare his second film after weatherby which i haven't watched weatherby in years and years and years uh but this stars charlotte rampling as a european mp uh who gets hemmed up in well she kills somebody uh in paris at night uh, riding in cars with boys and uh but I, I i love charlotte rampling obviously but uh michael gambon had died uh a couple days ago and he was in this as her husband and they don't have a very good relationship it was okay you saw the end of it oh he shoots her oh that was actually good <laughs> it felt like a marriage i don't know <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, two deaths. Uh, also, Michael Gambon. This is a Nicholas Rogue film I'd never seen from 1995, starring him and Sonia Braga. Very dark, depressing movie, but it's set in an unnamed country. I think it's supposed to be Romania. That's the, the, the collapse of communism. And there's basically a revolution going on and people are being shot by the military in the streets. And meanwhile, this uh, doctor has a, a dinner party with friends and through the course of the evening, they learn lots of really terrible things about his obsession with his maid, uh, who apparently is an indentured servant, basically, because he's agreed to pay for, he's agreed to care for her lover who's incapacitated after a car accident for the past several decades in exchange for the use of her body uh and then it turns out one of the reveals is of course that he he was the one that ran down that her lover in the street so he could have Ooh. her dang you watch something called do d-e-u-x you the as in number two mm -hmm. yep. but with uh isabella pair I'd never oh, seen is this the one where you posted on Instagram her getting attacked by a fox? Yeah. <laughs> that shit looked crazy. The film is very, the film is incomprehensible, but it's by uh, kind of the the unloved child of the new German way of Werner Schrader, who's very, very homosexual. Uh, and uh, several of his films I've seen kind of, it's what you'd expect from him, but it is the second time he worked with Uper, I believe, who's previously stored. I do like Melina, the, his Ingeborg Bachmann uh, adaptation, which is also a very challenging film. But this is Uper, as the title suggests, playing two people, twin sisters named um, Maria and Magdalena. And it opens with them learning about each other. One lives in Portugal and one lives in France. 
not a, now that I say it, it's not unlike what happens to the twin boys in Dicks, the musical. But uh, Schrader, I think, has said that this is autobiographical. I don't know how or in what capacity. And there are all kinds of intersecting stories involving these two women and and Boul Ogier playing the mother. Uh, uh, it's interesting, especially if you like Uper and has some very odd, bizarre, fun moments. But I I don't know. You'd have to be in the mood for this, for sure. You watched Mulholland Falls? Ugh. Ugh. I, I, I think I had... I know it's not a well-received film. Lee Tamahori from New Zealand directed it. It's a 1940s film noir uh, that's, that's basically based on a real-life group of cops called i think they were called the top hats or something that were kind of running the city basically but nick nolte uh is the headliner and he'd been having an affair with he's married to melanie griffith who's nominated for a razzie in this and i don't love melanie griffith per se but i don't know why i think they were just trying to be mean to her that year I, I, she's not even in it long enough to even care but anyway he's been having sex with this woman who's found dead uh out in the desert and it has to do with the nuclear testing sites going on mm. anyway it's it was i thought it was very dull you watched i like bats i like bats uh this was odd it is part that of, makes me think of i like totals <laughs> same yeah uh, or i love or who says i love bread or isn't that from crank yankers or am I thinking of Matt Damon or like, I want to go to Hawaii. <laughs> I don't that's, know. That's anyway, I like bats. Uh, I like bats. It's part of the House of Psychotic Women collection. Uh, and uh, it's- Oh, is that the one with the lady who pushes the van down the road and it explodes? Mm -hmm. That so looked really cool. Some really great visuals. It's, ba it's basically a vampire movie about this woman in Poland. Uh, that's also strange and very playful and looks great. I'm going to butcher his name, but it was uh, directed by Gregorz Warchal, uh, who is probably better known as an actor because he starred in some very notable uh, Christoph Kozlowski films, uh, including he's part of the cast of the Decalogue and also the Three Colors trilogy in the white segment. Uh, but if that is a great collection. I've been waiting to show you the one starring uh, Elizabeth Taylor, the driver's seat based on a book by muriel spark i haven't watched it in years and years but <laughs> there's a scene there's a scene in this movie where i think it's the lead character she's at a bar and she approaches a man it, seeming like she's a prostitute i think mm -hmm. she's like, girl i'm gay and she gets mad and he's eating food he's he's at like a restaurant bar and he has a plate of food and she gets mad after he tells her like you're barking up the wrong tree and she pours his drink in his plate <laughs> she was a, mad. <laughs> that man ends up falling in love with her but she oh. i think lied that he's gay because he's like girl i'm not interested bye you watch talk radio yeah um <clears throat> what did we just watch eric bogosian in oh and reptile uh he is the the police chief mm-hmm uh, but I'd never seen this is his was his shining hour because uh, the he wrote this play that was shortlisted for a Pulitzer, I believe. And Oliver Stone uh, made Oliver Stone adapted his play. This was Stone's uh, 
follow-up to Platoon, uh, and I'd never seen it. And it's basically about a, what, what do you call, what do you call those radio hosts? Um, a DJ? Like like Howard Stern. Um, a disc jockey? Yeah, but what do they call them? Like, like it for the vitriolic ones. Oh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You do know. Um, um, I'm I'm typing in words to see uh, if there's a word that comes. There's a word. It's like. Um, well, why don't you continue and I'll research. Anyway, he's about. It's about this man. He's about to uh, be be. I think they're in. Oh, shock jock. Shock jock. Shock jockey. Yeah. Um, he's about. I think they're in Texas, and they're about. He's about to be offered a. It, uh, national syndication, I believe. And he, it, it's basically him talking to people all night and being, uh, saying things, some things that I didn't disagree with, but kind of, well, a lot, well, he gets a lot of hate. And so he's just basically bitching at people all night long or, uh, and it, it's interesting. Ellen Green plays his ex-wife. Um, it's, it, it, I thought it was good. It, it was compelling for however long the running time is excess baggage because we'd watch reptile i i've completely forgotten about this movie but i'd never seen the previous uh pairing of alicia silverstone and benicia del toro which was the ill-fated excess baggage oh that's right directed by marco brambia who i don't think directed a feature film since then but prior to that he did demolition man i believe but this was no good it, it's it's not a good film blood and chocolate this is also trash. Um, <clears throat> starring, I you know, I never thought Agnes Bruckner was very interesting, but as, as this werewolf girl who works in a chocolate shop and I think Bucharest and is romanced by Hugh Dancy, who's this graphic novelist who had to flee the United States because he assaulted his father and there's a charge out for this was, oh, it was garbage. It was boring and it was stupid. And this is, it predates Twilight, which I think is interesting because this, this film was not a hit, uh, but I feel like if it had come out maybe in 09 instead of 07, more people would have maybe been interested. But it's directed by Katia Van Garnier. Then, oh, JFK. Yes, speaking of Oliver Stone, catch-up week. Uh, yeah, it, pretty impressive. Um, there are a couple parts that I think are a little hokey, such as Ed Asner like beats down Jack Lemon in a scene that does not play very well, but uh, oh, pretty. And all of the accent work. <laughs> the accent work is not good. Uh, Kevin Costner feels like he's in a uh, sat a satirical production of Tennessee Williams play. Like it's. Mm, and then the because who plays gay? Kevin Bacon, Tommy Lee Jones, Tommy Jones uh, Joe Pesci. His eyebrows and wig, because because he's supposed to be gay as well, right? Yeah. I think they did them so crazy. Tommy Lee Jones looks crazy. <laughs> you, Tommy you, Lee Jones looks like Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yeah, he looks like the Albano and Morgan Freeman. Uh, and him kind of being mincing is entertaining. But Joe Pesci, he's supposed to look raggedy because there's a woman in the film that says, oh, this man has eyebrows. He looked like a buzzard. <laughs> a buzzard. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, 
uh, Stone has since revisited. He made a documentary in 2021, I think, uh, that I, I'm eager to watch as well. But yeah. The Long Farewell. I got to see a restoration of this at the Cinematheque last Sunday, uh, Kira Miratova film from 1971. This would be like a great, a great Mother's Day film, but it, it's about a mom whose son is, he, he hasn't told her and she kind of finds out uh, by snooping that he's planning on leaving to go live with his father. And she's kind of devastated by that. Uh, beautifully shot. It's Kira Miratova. Uh, if, if you could have a chance, I highly recommend it. Something called A Silence? Yeah, I think I'm supposed to write about this, but this just played at the San Sebastian Film Festival, the latest from Joaquin Lafosse, Joaquin Lafosse Belgian director, who I think works a little... Too much, too frequently. Uh, although I, I'd be eager. I haven't seen it since 06 or 07. Private Property, starring Isabel Huppert, um, is probably my favorite of his. But this, his latest stars Emmanuel DeVos and uh, Daniel Atoyle, and it's very bizarre. It's about Daniel Atoyle is a lawyer who's just been kicked off a very high-profile case because. His brother-in-law has char filed charges against him for raping him when he was a young man and living with them, his sister and her brother-in-law. And then it, her teenage son has also been influenced by him because it turns out Daniel Toyle is also, they found like kitty porn on his computer and the kid, his teenage son has also become kind of fascinated by that it's it's got a, it's mired in all kinds of bizarre things that are worth unpacking but as a film i thought it was just okay i watched a movie called p2 like parking level two it's mm -hmm. a 2007 film have you seen that i have not that's directed by frank calfoon who did the maniac remake which I that's right um I thought it was very good. It's a horror thriller film. It stars Rachel Nichols, who I'm not familiar with, and Wes Bentley. Uh-huh. I thought Wes Bentley was really good because he's he's handsome, but also looks a little like crazy and <laughs> kind of creepy. And I thought the lady, Rachel Nichols, did a really good job. And the story is so simple because it's one of those like they're kind of isolated to like a building and I thought it was like pretty suspenseful and there's some pretty gruesome stuff in it um basically Wes Bentley plays a security guard in this building that Rachel Nichols works in and it's Christmas and she's like the last one to leave and she's having car trouble and we find out that Wes Bentley's character is obsessed with her uh and then she has to fight her way out of this building. Yeah, it was really good. Then I watched uh, that movie Vacancy, that two thousand, that other two thousand seven film that I always cite as like creepy, mm -hmm. creepy because it could be real. It stars Kate Beckinsale and Luke Wilson. It's about like this remote motel where the people who there are people there who make snuff films, and this married couple. Kate Beckinsale and Luke Wilson kind of get trapped there and have to fight their way out. Um, upon a rewatch, I I didn't, I mean, I still think it's a very good example of something that's creepy, but I don't know that I like 
all, all these horror films where they always have like a character or like this couple they have all this like baggage and trauma like a dead kid and i don't mm-hmm. that always feels like fluff like well we spent the first 30 minutes with these two people fighting with each other to then get stuck having to fight for their lives it, it feels a little basic but that's um nimrod antal the hungarian director yes Unfortunately, there are entries in the obituary section. Like you already mentioned, Michael Gambon died. Mm-hmm. I mean, what he was. What do I know him from? I mean, well, I, probably nothing because you haven't seen The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover yet. But uh, he's probably best known for playing Dumbledore in the original Harry Potter series. But he wasn't the first one to play Dumbledore in the only Harry Potter you've seen, Chamber of Secrets. It's Richard Harris who died after that film oh so then he and michael gambone inherited him and played him for the rest of those cycle of films and then diane feinstein died also she was 90 i think yeah so she used to be the mayor of san francisco and then became a senator for california i mean as someone who was born and raised in california i she's been a part of my life since i can remember (laughs) but you know in recent years, her health was failing, and then there are all these like images of her like just looking like she has no business working, which of course calls into question, even like looking at Mitch McConnell, like are these people like mentally fit to do anything besides sit their asses down and relax? But yeah, you can destroy people's driver's licences, yeah, like <laughs> right, still- like. Should- <laughs> Yeah, they wouldn't even be allowed to have a driver's license. What y'all doing up in here? Mitch McConnell, ugh. But I believe Diane Feinstein is uh, like the longest running senator. She has a distinction, but she's, she's, she's going to Strom Thurmond territory. Oh. <laughs> um, I Annette Benning played her in. Was it the report with opposite Adam Driver? Oh. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Our secret film today uh, was inspired by an upcoming uh, release. It is the 1973 American supernatural horror film, The Exorcist, directed Mm -hmm. by William Friedkin. Rest in peace. We We decided to watch this because the new Exorcist uh, we're seeing like in a couple of days. Yep, bruh, directed by David Gordon Green. Uh, funnily, funny, funny enough, uh, the Exorcist Believer comes out the same day Showtime is releasing Friedkin's last film, The Court Marshal, The Kane Mutiny Court Marshal, oh. which I saw at Venice and loved. Um, the premise, the funniest premise we read for this film or that I saw was, I think it was on Amazon Prime because we watched it through your AMC uh, subscription, but it just says like, a young girl gets possessed. <laughs> That's the premise. <laughs> but, this film that changed the landscape of cinema and, and horror films in particular. Yeah. Like that's, 
That's all they could offer. That's all they had. IMDb says when a young girl is possessed by a mysterious entity, her mother seeks the help of two priests to save her daughter. I mean, this, I think this movie is excellent, especially considering that since then there have been so many like possession type movies. And I think the reason The Exorcist works so much better is because it's not trying to do anything extra. Like, well, yeah, storytelling wise, it's it's pretty straightforward. For most of it, it plays kind of like a, a just a a drama, a familial drama, really. Well, because I think what's you know, I don't believe in ghosts and and demons, but I think so. That's why a lot of modern possession films don't work for me, and then a lot of modern stuff they try to give it like a horror angle, like jump scares, and it just feels like okay, but. In The Exorcist, I think the the fact that it's not trying to play up anything like like horror, but also, I think that the like the 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 thing that's most creepy and frustrating is the mother played by Ellen Burstyn. Mm-hmm. So here's the story: Ellen Burstyn is this famous rich actress um, who is raising her daughter Regan alone. Is it Regan or Reagan? Reagan. Reagan's played by Linda Blair, of course. The father is like out of the country. He's not really involved with the daughter. And Reagan starts acting weird. Her mother doesn't know what to do. Of course, she can afford to have her see all the best medical doctors. And when they can't help her, she seeks out the help of a priest. And then that's where the exorcism comes in. But what's interesting is the priest is a trained psychiatrist. He's also a medical doctor. And he's like, girl, don't nobody do exorcisms anymore. Like, that's not that that's not a thing. The Catholic Church is not going to um, sponsor that. But then when he sees firsthand that this little girl is the devil, then we have another priest come in, uh, played by... Max von Sydow, who opens the film in northern that's right. Iraq. Mm-hmm. That's right. The, the The opening of the film, we're in northern Iraq, and we see that this priest, I think his name is Father Marin, he's like on an archeo- archaeological dig, and someone finds like an artifact, and once Dr. Marin gets it, like weird things start happening. and But then we, uh, so then we have, the the connection is that this demon inside of Reagan seems to react very negatively to to Marin, like it's scared of Marin. So they're like, well, bring his ass in. So then um, the other priest is played by... Jason Miller. Who's the father of Patrick Miller. Jason Patrick. Jason Patrick. (laughs) But those two uh, basically fight off this demon. But this demon inside of Reagan ends up killing Father Marin. And then in the last ditch effort, the other priest, who I keep calling Dimmy, because that's what his mom used to call him. Damien. Damien. Damien Paris. Mm-hmm. He, at the final moment, set, tell, grabs Reagan and is like, take me, take me. And I thought that was really creepy because you see the demon leave Reagan and go into him. His face changes, which actually looks really good for 1973. And then that demon causes Dimmy to jump out the damn window and break his neck on that famous stairwell. Mm-hmm. Who's the second narrative death on those stairs. Yeah, we'll get to it. 
And then the end of the film is uh, Ellen Burstyn and Reagan like, well, I I, I guess we're going to move. <laughs> like, all's well that ends well. Well, they're, they're just visiting uh, Georgetown anyway because she talks about how she's having a house built in L.A. Oh, sure, sure. They're, gonna, they're always going to leave, but... But what I was going to say is I think what's creepy is about this story is the like the frustration we see in the mother Ellen Burstyn like I don't know what to do and I think that's why this is so effective like especially in modern films they always either try like if it's set in like in the past then there's always like some very clear history of like oh this is a demon this is how we get rid of it or if it's modern time you know then they are on the internet trying to look up things and oh this portrait is of this demon and everything is always so spelled out and in this movie it's like we don't know what's going on like as the audience we know this little girl's probably possessed but watching the mother be so frustrated was ellen burston nominated for anything she was uh miller linda blair and ellen burston were all nominated it was the first horror film nominated for best picture blatty won uh for uh best adapted screenplay you know from his own novel but yeah uh, what's funny is thinking you know this film has such a legacy it's weird to think that the studio didn't like the cast because they were all not really notable then so you know ellen burson previously previously had been in the last picture show but she wasn't a name yet well i think they're all deserving um even linda blair like i know i've seen her in things since then and i don't think she's a very good actor but i think as this little girl like like the physical acting was very impressive and of course she's voiced over by mercedes mccambridge as the oh my gosh the sound editing is so good Um, but I'm just going to go through my notes. You were telling me that Rick James wrote the song Cold-Blooded for Linda Blair. Yeah, he did. <laughs> it's a good, I like that song too. Uh, and had no idea until very recently that <laughs> was supposedly about her. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. What about- um, yeah. So when we know, so the first time we realized that there's something wrong with Linda Blair's character is her mom, who's a very loving mother. She's like uh, just, you know, visiting with her daughter in their house and they're in the basement and the mother grabs a Ouija board. And she's like, girl, what's this Ouija board doing in here? What you know about a Ouija board? And Reagan's like, oh, do you want to like play with it? And they set it up and the little device that's used to like move over the letters kind of like flies into Ellen Burstyn's hand, like unexplainably. So of course it's like, well, what is that? And then Reagan starts talking about, oh, Captain Howdy did it. So, like, right away, it's like, oh, this is not good. Mm-hmm. And then when she, Ellen Burstyn wakes up one morning and Linda Blair's in bed with, Reagan's in bed with her, and she, she's like, oh, my bed was shaking. I couldn't sleep. It's like, oh. That was so creepy. <laughs> then I think to add to the frustration of Ellen Burstyn's character, the dad is not a part of the picture. And we get a scene because it's Reagan's birthday. Ellen is trying to, like, she's called an operator to try to get a hold of the dad who's in some hotel in Rome, I think. And she is going off on this operator, which I thought was so funny. Mm-hmm. Then I won't, then Ellen, a person's character has a party, like a dinner party. And the director of the film she's working on shows up. Who's that actor? Oh, uh, I have to look. He but- was a hot-ass mess. He was in there saying some some weird he, racial shit i think and then well no he was um trying to press the buttons of 
her is it her butler her her wait staff by who's, who's german yes and he kept saying that he's a nazi and yeah like just some crazy shit and the, like, Swiss. yeah but the butler gets fed up and strangles his ass and then ellen's like you need to go but that director gets hemmed up later because once reagan's uh, possession is in full swing the assistant who works for Ellen is like watching over Reagan, but she has to leave to go to like the pharmacy. So she asked this problematic drunk ass director, could you watch Reagan? And the next thing we know, he's gone. But then, yeah. we, but then we find out that he was actually, or later on he gets killed by being thrown down those stairs. Yes, and he actually, that's Jack McGowan. Uh, he died in 1973 from influenza. Oh, but even that death is interesting because a police detective shows up and he's trying to figure out like, there's no way, like the way he flew out that window, like someone would have had to like do it. And the only person in that room was Reagan and it couldn't have been her. So he's asking Ellen, like, no one is in this house? Like, I thought that was very well done. Oh, and then I like the lead detective. That's Lee J. Cobb uh, from 12 Angry Men. Uh, he's also in a pretty good, cheapy uh, noir called The Man Who Cheated Himself. That's worth watching. But He was very good because he's looking at Ellen like, we have questions. You don't seem to have answers. I don't know what to do. I thought he was very good. But at the party, Reagan comes downstairs and um there's an astronaut at the party and she tells that astronaut you're gonna die up there like going up to space and then this little girl pees on the rug yes and i that has ties to another blatty book the ninth configuration which is also made into a film i believe with jason miller i've you know i could rewatch that i've only seen it once and it's been years and years and years this film does, the screenplay does such a good job of like character development because I felt like I understood Ellen's position. I felt like um, Father Marin, like we get his backstory, you know, like, and then uh, Damien, he, his mother is like senile and has to be put into a home. And so we get scenes of her like, like, I mean, I thought pretty emotional scenes because he's like having to reckon with needing to put his mom away. And then, of course, she dies. And then he's having visions of her. And actually, the demon possessing Reagan is using that against him. Like, we see Reagan talking as if she were the mother. I thought that was all very effective. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's what a lot of films get wrong is they cut too many corners. Like, you kind of have to lay the groundwork for the payoff yeah yeah because um, you know, we spent an awful lot of time in medical facilities in the early half of this film with a doctor played by peter masterson mary stewart masterson's father from the stepford wives uh and just having this little girl having to go through all of these tests and uh, all this like the, the cat scan scene oh god when she's getting that cat scan it sounds like she's at a shooting range <laughs> then when the doctors come to the house to visit her and I forget if it was like the bed shaking or her body going up and down like a mousetrap. And they're looking like, we can't do shit for you. 
<laughs> whatever and they're yeah we, we still think it has something to do with the cerebral blah 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 and it's like okay but it makes sense right i mean as scientists as medical doctors like i mean you have to find an ex everything has an explanation it can't be like a demon so i thought that was all very well done especially for 1973 but i like um, how the doctors are finally like have you tried a priest the Catholics do exorcisms. It's, you know, it might be uh, placebo, basically. <laughs> you know, they are at their wits end when they're like, girl, you better go get a priest. Um, and then Ellen in the conference room with all those doctors, I just kept thinking, it must be nice to have money. <laughs> well, yeah, she's this world famous actress. Like, imagine Angelina Jolie having to deal with the possessed child. Right, right. I did have a question because is it that the artifact that Marin finds in Northern Iraq, don't they find that at Ellen's house? I think Lee J. Cobb finds it at the bottom of the stairs. Oh. I, I'm pretty sure. And that's related to Pazuzu. Yes. Which is Exorcist 2 or 3? Pazuzu. Exorcist 2. Oh my God. Well, we probably need to rewatch that, which Linda Blair returned for. Um, and... Look, I don't, you don't, your memory, but Louise Fletcher has this one outfit where her little breasts are out and it looks like there's the two little straps over her breasts. It's a really ugly dress. And then of course, Richard Burton is hamming it the fuck up. The version we watched, I don't recall seeing Reagan walking down the stairs backwards, like on her four appendages. No, it wasn't in that version. I think... That might be the director's cut because Bla uh, Friedkin was forced to cut 12 minutes, I think. Oh, so we didn't watch the director's cut. Um, but what's the, the 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 most disturbing scene in the film we watched the other day is when Reagan is, Reagan is stabbing herself in the vagina with a crucifix and like she's all bloody and then she tells her mom to eat her and then shoves her mom's face into her bloody vagina and then slaps the shit out of her mama. I, that was all too much for me. <laughs> Can you imagine audiences seeing that in 1973? Oh, uh, yeah. And this little girl talking real nasty and loose. Ugh. And a bunch of kids saw this movie. You know, this scarred a, a generation because all these, I, I think the rating... Uh, for I was reading that there, uh, like lots of children saw it because it should have been rated X, supposedly. Uh, and part of that might have been a stunt to recoup the budget because it went way over budget and there were a lot of problems uh, during filming and uh, a lot of deaths and accidents, I guess. It was considered a cursed project. <laughs> Other creepy things are Reagan's talking in this demon voice and it's unintelligible and it's being recorded. And then a sound engineer ultimately plays it in reverse. And then we realize that Reagan is not speaking Latin or some other language. She's just talking in reverse. That was creepy. Then we discover that like on Reagan's abdomen, it looks like the words help me have been carved in there. I thought that was creepy. Um, but when Father Marin shows up, he shuts shit down. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was very um, effective when he shows up. Like, okay, time to get some work done. <laughs> oh, do you want some background on the demon? No, he's like, well, I think three of them. He's like, no, there's only one. <laughs> I got it from here. Don't worry about it. And then he, I mean, you know, a very famous scene, I guess, is you know the the power of Christ compels you and. I, I know this movie is so good because 
normally shit like this makes me laugh and roll my eyes but in this movie i'm like damn oh right because i don't share any of the same beliefs right well it's still effective oh gosh so in northern iraq in the beginning we see that father Marin is like standing face to face with this like demon statue on a hill and then at the end um he sees that same figure in reagan's room i thought that was super creepy uh the father D- Dimmy seeing his mom in the bed that was really creepy but yeah this movie is super super effective the only thing that kind of well there are a few things first of all if i were that assistant or that housekeeper child after that first after that first thing when the, i saw that girl going up and down it would have been time to find a new job oh, yeah. and, <laughs> And then Ellen Burstyn's leaving her assistant alone in that house with that uh, possessed ass girl. <laughs> and when she, she says goodbye to Sharon, we're gonna miss, gonna miss you. It's like, oh. And she goes, "Are you sure I can't change your mind? You don't want to come with?" She's like, "No, <laughs> hell no, bitch! I'm not going anywhere with you." Um, but the other thing that I didn't quite understand is, I don't understand why Father Dimmy wanted the demon to take him. I think I I always saw that as he felt bad for this little girl. And also he's kind of got nothing else to live for is how it, he's made to seem with his mom dying. And with, even leading up to his mother dying and him talking to his boss is that he's he's done. He's exhausted. He's basically suffering burnout. Sure. Right? Sure. That makes sense. But I, I mean, sure. I just, it wouldn't have been me. Like, and, and is he getting paid to do this? <laughs> Yeah. from the church is is paying him but it's uh, not enough it can't be enough well it's to- not enough. they don't pay him enough because there's a lot to be said about remember his i think it's his uncle that has the mom put in you know like the cheap people's hospital because she's she's with all these other uh like like in a psychiatric ward and he says com- some comment if you'd been a lawyer instead of a priest you know you could afford to care for your mother the way she deserves and I hope Ellen Burstyn gave uh, those two priests some money, like paid for their funerals or something. (laughs) Three people died fooling around with Reagan. I do not understand how she's not in jail. That little girl needs to be in jail. Well, mm -hmm. there needs to be, if someone wants to, you know, instead of whatever we're getting next week with the new exorcist, this movie, uh, there should be a new movie about how uh, Reagan has to go to trial. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not looking forward to Mr. David Gordon Green's take on this, but I am, as I said before, very happy to see Ellen Burstyn has returned. Uh, although, as I understand it, she got a really, she got, uh, she asked for a lot of things that she's been wanting. So well, good for her. Come back. Uh, in, 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 including some kind of um scholarship or fund for young actors that she wanted to establish i think that was part of her deal yeah um, learning because she said she's always every time they do an exorcist movie she's been asked to return and she said no uh what is your relationship to this movie i remember watching it as a kid with my sister and maybe like 1980 like seven maybe like we were like nine and ten years old maybe and i remember being so scared 
And um, I, re I remember watching it with her again, I believe, in like 90, like 98. So scared. And then I know I rewatched it with you in 2010. I had a movie night for it in 2008. And then you and I watched it again in 2011. And then I watched it. I've, I've watched, I, thanks Letterboxd, but I watched it again in 2018. But uh, yeah, so I've seen it several, many times. But um, I came to it kind of late because my parents were fair weather Christians kind of, but they, oh. had, they had the uh, mentality that if you let something like this in, you know, you're you're leaving yourself vulnerable. So this was not a film watched in my house, even though we watched some gutter shit. Uh, it, it's funny how people pick and choose looking back on what their kids can see. But uh, right, I can't watch. Uh, well, I'm trying to think of a gay movie, and I can't right now. <laughs> uh, I can I can picture my uh, like my dad saying like we can't watch some some simple thing, but then we can watch Friday the Thirteenth, but. <laughs> Okay, so in fact, like I remember watching Demolition Man with my dad, but it's like the exorcist, like, okay. Uh, but I rented it with friends around the same time. I, I remember, I, I, like, when I started having sleepovers at my male friends' houses, that like I went ham, like, oh, let's rent. And they would always get annoyed because I always wanted to rent this old shit, like Rosemary's Baby and The Omen <laughs> and all that devil shit I can't watch at home. Uh, and and that was how I saw it, but I I don't know that I actually really took it in until, like like fully concentrated on until I had that movie night in two thousand eight. But I had I've known many people that are obsessed with this film. Um, at that particular movie night, we had a friend over who has had a pug named Captain Howdy. For instance, oh well, you can tell me later. Um, so what would you give The Exorcist? Uh, I think I gave that a five star. I think that might be a five star film for me. Uh, or four and a half. Maybe I would give it four and a half out of five. It's, I mean, it's a classic, classic film. Yeah, you just saw the French Connection for the first time. This was Friedkin's follow up. That was really good. And you've seen his The Boys in the Band and Cruising. Yep. No, I'm not trying to convince you that he's one of the best directors that has ever lived, but, you know. Well, I mean, from what I've seen, I would believe it. Uh, so that's all we have for The Exorcist. We're watching The New Exorcist this week. We're seeing a couple of horror films. Yeah, there's a Pet Cemetery prequel. Oh, Pet Cemetery prequel, VHS 85. Another possession movie where evil lurks or something that we'll be watching when you get back. As and then I'll and then the poll for our next live video will be Sigourney Weaver B sides. Yeah, I need to send you that list. So you need to send me that. But that's all I have. Same. All right, ta ta for now.